Hi, everybody. Welcome to the two-man game here on Claves Online. I'm Bob Ramsey. That is my partner, Matt Rocchio. Brock, we're getting ready for uh, a, a big weekend as uh, these series have uh, each game continues to fool us, which means it's wide open for entertainment value on the weekend. Maybe not, maybe not wagering value because nothing's going the way it's supposed to. Yeah, it has been a little bit tricky. You know, it's kind of crazy, too, how the kind of the days have kind of stratified now after the first two games. You now have Milwaukee, Boston, and Golden State, Memphis are on the same day, and those ones look like they're going to be battles maybe through six or seven. And then you have Miami, Philadelphia, and Phoenix, uh, Dallas. Those ones look like they're going to be much shorter. Obviously, right. tonight with the news that Joel Embiid um, is going they, – they've got a mask for him. He's been cleared out of concussion protocol. It looks like Joel Embiid is going to play in game three. So maybe that series as well completely gets turned on his head. Um, but, I mean, when you when you look at the NBA in the past, I would say semifinals out of four series, having three that could go six or seven games, it's pretty damn good. I'm not saying that the Heat would sweep the Sixers, but without Embiid, I can't come up with a scenario by which they could win a series against Miami. Yeah, I think the, the Miami series and the and, and the Dallas series are both showing you things. It's just and and that's you know what we've been talking about all year. The the unicorn like fives just give you a wild card in today's game that completely change the equation. And, right. and Bam, Bam Adebayo is that equation changer when you only have guys like DeAndre Jordan to put up against him. Obviously, if you have your own MVP level unicorn like Joel Embiid, it completely shifts it the other way. But you're absolutely right. Without Embiid, I, I think that was that was going to be a sweep because even in the moments when Philadelphia would would make their run and take a lead, it was just it would be snuffed out so quickly either one by the offense of the Heat taking over with guys like Bam or the defense of the Heat would 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 tighten up in the middle, and then all those wild drives and over-dribbles from Maxie and Harden would stop contributing the same amount of points they did in the first half. And so it, it's, it wasn't going to work, but now again, if Embiid comes back and he looks healthy, and I think that's still questionable for tonight, earlier today it looked like everything was trending towards game four. Obviously, I think if you're the Sixers, you, you want to take the risk and try to get one out. I don't think he's going to be 100% tonight. If they can eke one out, though, and he's 100% by game four, everything's just a completely different conversation. Yeah, if the mask gives him the confidence to play like he plays, uh, or you get moving around and there's just too much pain, that could be an issue, as obviously, as well. But if he can get the confidence to play his game wearing that mask, then they could flip it, I think. Yeah, and some players have had trouble. You know, Kyrie Irving, when he had to wear the mask in Cleveland, uh, he had trouble a couple of games. There's been other players who have had, you know, they have legitimate trouble figuring out, you know, how to shoot and everything, you know, th you know, with the mask on their face. So the comfortability factor is going to be a big thing. And that's the really the biggest thing when you talk about the first game tonight uh, in Philadelphia is if Embiid's back, does he have that game? And I wonder how Doc Rivers plays him, and that's kind of the, the, the risk of the, of the moment right now because it's been the fourth quarter. So I wonder if we see a light dose of, of Embiid in the first half, not only just for him coming back from injury, but compared to the second half. If I'm Doc Rivers, I'm, I'm letting Embiid you know, get loose in those first three quarters, but I'm playing him sparingly, and I'm hoping that if, if I'm Doc Rivers, I'd be planning for everything just so that I have Joel Embiid for an eight-minute stretch in the later part of the fourth quarter. That's all I care about because that's where they've been losing these games. Yeah, I don't know that I would plan on the negative for him. Um, I would wait and see how he feels, but I would certainly, in every decision regarding Embiid, you know, uh, 
let caution lead the way. Yeah, absolutely, and that's really the big question. Moving on to the second game tonight in uh, on Friday, it is the Dallas Mavericks in the Philadelphia in the Phoenix Suns. Excuse me. This one's just, I mean, Chris Paul is is an absolute murderer. He comes out in the fourth quarter, he scores and assists on the first nineteen points out of the gate in the first quarter, and a lot of those the times he scored, they were able to get Luka Doncic on a switch. Chris Paul isolated him, and then he would just murder him. I don't think I've ever seen so many examples of someone who is six foot seven and 230 pounds get absolutely bodied around a basketball court by someone seven inches and 40 pounds smaller. That was the most impressive thing I've ever. Chris Paul's done a lot of great things. Absolutely manhandling a guy with that kind of size, possession mm-hmm. after possession after possession. I understand that that Luca's not that fast, and so I expect him to get beat by quick guys. But when Chris Paul, who isn't necessarily the quickest player in the world, beats him just physically, bouncing off of him, using a physical, you know, heavy kind of bully ball style against a guy, giving up that kind of size, you didn't see that coming. But it was a masterclass. It really was. And having said that, though, Doncic is still, I mean, just unbelievable. Scoring like a madman. Even with what Chris Paul's doing to him, he still just makes buckets. And so the question here is, can Jalen Brunson be that second person? Jason Kidd said it. You're going to have to step up and be that next person because I thought uh, a great a great podcast, if you want to talk about these games, is um, Tim Legler joined uh, Old Man in the Three, which is – uh, J.J. Reddick's uh, and Timmy Alter's podcast, and he was talking about how there's there's people in Dallas who have been telling him, well, Aiton can't do this every game. Yes, he can. He, this is exactly what's going to happen every game. So Jason Kidd was right. Somebody else is going to have to step up, and, and can the Jazz, the you know, versus Jazz version of Jalen Brunson step up? I'm not sure Devin Booker is a better defender than anyone ever talks about, and he's showing that in this series yeah. right now. If no one else steps up, yeah, this one will be the shortest series, especially with Embiid returning in the other game. This one's going four unless Jalen Brunson steps up tonight. Yeah, the uh, I don't know who said it first, but you don't really have a series till somebody wins a road game, and uh, the Suns could just take it over here in Dallas. So that will be really interesting. The one, the team we've been following all year, the Memphis Grizzlies, and um, just some remarkable play moments, shots, and all those things, but a little bit marred with an injury uh, expulsion incident. Yeah, and and I understood in, in a lot of ways, you know, the the Golden State Warriors' perspective of this play. Um, just you know, to get it out, obviously, uh, Gary Payton gets a little bit of a breakaway. He's kind of in front of everybody. I, 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 honestly, if he if he wraps him up, there might be a clear path violation. I'm not sure if, if it would go that far, but still, he's kind of ahead of the play. And then Dylan Brooks comes flying into the play, and as Gary Payton goes up for the layup. Uh, Dylan Brooks comes over the side in the back of him, you know, clears through his head and knocks him down. He lands, breaks his elbow. He's out for an extended period of time, a really big bummer for him. Honestly, take away the injury effect because I, I, I kind of don't like basing suspensions off whether or not a player gets injured. I think intent and, and things like that is much more important than the actual result in that very arbitrary way. Uh, see Jason Spurgeon in the NHL playoffs. Um so I'm not I, I, I don't think you suspend him just because Gary Payton 
gets hurt. I think undoubtedly that's an ejection. Anytime you're talking about coming wildly from behind somebody when they're in the air and you're in the air and you have no control of your body and everything like that, I think that's a very obvious you know, flagrant to eject him. Yes, he didn't push him and things like that, but essentially coming from behind on somebody like that when they're in the air is one of the most dangerous ways in, you know, ways in basketball. You saw the guy obviously got hurt. It's a clear ejection. I can understand people on the Memphis side being bothered by a suspension because it didn't look like he had that kind of intent to injure. But my argument there is that as soon as you leave your feet in that situation, then you you've kind of left the question of intent out of there. You know what you're doing in that situation. And so yeah, I, I, I kind of understand, you know, from both sides, but I think a suspension is, is in a lot of ways under, you know, I, it's not ridiculous. He can't have that kind of judgment to go up and say, well, he was going for the ball missed and, and his follow through hit him in the head. He was, he was two feet away from the ball. If that was his intent, he has the worst judgment and feeling for time and space as anybody that's ever played in the league. That's just a dumb excuse. He was going to go up and hard foul him. Yeah. Okay. I get that. There, I know a lot of, especially old school uh, NBA uh, folks who believe that, you know, that's just a foul. It's hard foul. We're in the playoffs. Come to expect it. I think the acceptance of hard fouls hurts the game. I really do. And if somebody wants to disagree with that, I respect their opinion. I'm not trying to. Um, uh, I'm not trying to win an election. Uh, I'm not trying to convince you, but I I am convinced that it's hurting the game. Uh, it's so physical that most games there's a foul called, not just a foul made, a foul called on every possession. It's hurting the game. It's hurting the flow of the game. It's hurting the enjoyment. Hardcore fans, you're gonna love it no matter what. You want to grow the game, you got to clean it up. There's my soapbox. Hardcore fans don't want to hear it anyway. Uh, if you if you suspend him because he whacked him in the head, you're going to have to follow through with that, and there's going to be more suspensions coming. Let's see how consistent the NBA commissioner's office can be. I suspect not very. Yeah, I suspect not very. And listen, the suspension is going to have an impact, uh, or, or that play is going to have an impact, not just because the, the Grizzlies are going to lose Dylan Brooks, but on the other side, Gary Payton is going to be a huge loss for the Golden State Warriors. Um, when he guards John Morant, it completely changes his game. In about 200 possessions that he guarded John Mor- that or about 200 possessions that every other Warrior guarded John Morant on this season, his effective field goal percentage was 54%. When the on the 100 possessions or 120 possessions that Gary Payton guarded him, it was down to 34 percent. And then when you look at what the, what the Memphis Grizzlies team efficiency was when Gary Payton got to got to guard him, it was an 88 percent. Everybody else is guarding him. It's a 98 percent. So Gary Payton being able to guard John Morant is a huge step for the Warriors. And so to lose that weapon defensively, that's going to be a big problem. You're going to see that play out over the weekend. And then. So then you'd say, okay, now what happens? Our enforcer's back. Green is back. He's got to play his game. But everybody, especially the Stripes, are going to be watching him because he is a guy that will look for payback. And and by the way, I don't blame him. I get it. But to your point with Peyton out, they need him on the floor defending. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. Um, it, it, they need everyone to chip in. You, you, this, this, these, both these teams have have thrived off depth in, in a lot of different ways, and that's gonna that's gonna be a be you know a, a big thing on Saturday night. Yeah, and if I were, and I were the Grizzlies, your offense is gonna be fine. You, what you've got to worry about is defending, because at home, Golden State is gonna light it up. Yep. So you better you better lock it down. And again, we, we talked about it, and I think it was a huge thing in that game too. When they defended better, they got more opportunities to run. The game didn't turn into a half-court game, and then they were able to obviously win and execute late in the situation. If they can't play good defense and it is a half-court game, they're going to lose it almost every time. It is funny that some of us who don't like the things that would cause fireworks are sucked into the drama now because of those untoward things that are happening. I can't wait to see the next game. It's fantastic. And speaking of games we can't wait to see on Saturday, the other game is the Celtics and the Bucks. Now I have no idea what to think of this series because the Celtics coming back and, and, and slaughtering the Bucks by 23 points was one of the most unexpected things we've seen in a lot of unexpected happenings so far in the playoffs. Jalen Brown comes out and scores 30. Jason Tatum's a completely different player offensively. They changed up how they... Uh, attacked Giannis, and I think that freed up Jason Tatum offensively. It worked in the first game, so I think game three, the biggest question is, how does Mike Budenholzer and the Bucks change that offensive attack with how Boston changed their defense? Because they were finally able to stop them. We know that Milwaukee has games where they can slog down, where they don't get their looks, where they're not taking enough threes, and Giannis isn't doing enough. That was clearly one of those games. Can they get back to game one where the ball's moving, it's getting to Giannis in different spots, and they're dominating because of that? You know I have the goofy key to the game on, with with Milwaukee. If Brooke Lopez has a good game, they win. Yeah. Uh, I see, if he I, doesn't, I, yeah. they because they're at home, they may not lose, but it'll be at the very best for them tight. If Lopez has a good game, they'll win handily. Yeah, and Lopez did have a good game, not just offensively, but he was not good defensively. He was getting beat in the drop. Jalen Brown and Jason Taylor yep. were victimizing him a lot out there on defense when he actually was out there. So I like that. Brooke Lopez is a good one to watch. And, and, and the good thing is he's easy to watch on the floor. You can find him easily. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I just the guy's the guy's very tall, and he just always stands out. Now, not all, not often do you see a lumbering seven foot one guy just standing in the corner on offense. It it, it stands out. Like a, it stands out like a like a sycamore in a field. <laughs> uh, well, so there you have it for the weekend. You want to let's go through our picks again. We think Phoenix is going to roll. Yep, undoubtedly Phoenix rolls. The, the thing that's the hard one to predict is Philly Miami. It all depends on Embiid. I'm going to say Philly gets one of the two. Yeah, I really hope Philly gets one of the two. I think Philly gets tonight and Embiid's even healthier in, in game two on Sunday and or game I guess it'll be game four, but game two for him on Sunday. And I think they they, they get out of Philadelphia. It's not up two two and it's really interesting. Draymond Green, I tell you, is the key. He's got to get big minutes in. If he doesn't, Memphis can steal one there. I'm actually I think Memphis steals game game anyway. four in that one, but I think I think I think Golden State, after that kind of play, I think they'll come out motivated, win game three, and then I think game four kind of you know gets a little bit odd again and, and kind of evens things out. There and we then, have and it. And then, sorry, sorry, you know what, Dallas, it's been fun. <laughs> but you got to have Donchitz on your um, Space Jam team to save the world, right? He's one of your five. I think so, yeah. I think so, yeah. In fact, when the season's over, we're going to do our own sp current Space Jam team – and here's oh, a, I like that. And guess who's not on it? 
Who's on it? Not on it. LeBron. LeBron. <laughs> you knew. Just one, just a couple of years after the movie. Wow. There, just taking him out of his own movie. That's harsh. I like it. There's our deep tease. All right. We'll know a lot more about what's happening uh, after the weekend round. And I'll see you then, Rock. See you then, Raymer. That's Matt Rock. You on Bob Ramsey's The Two Man Game right here on Claves Online. At St. Louis Acura, we have over 330 pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. And all of them are covered by our St. Louis Acura Promise and backed by our Better Business Bureau A-plus rating and 30 years in business. We also service all makes and models of vehicles, including glass and bumper repair, paint touch-ups, and full mechanical services from one of our 24 technicians. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you, no matter what vehicle drives you. 